Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Daily Tech News Show is powered by you. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, June 14th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From the shores of Lake Merritt, I'm Justin Robert Young. And outside of a dirt moat, it's Roger Chang, our producer. Hello, I am outside the dirt moat because they're doing a bowl bout of my intersection. They're going to lay me with new lawn. I got a water. That's not even mine and I can't control. It. But hey, I'm responsible for it. But other than that, everything's great. Everything's great. Turned into a forty-five-minute monologue <laughs> of Roger just savaging his city. I, I, I would. Yeah. Hey, it's more than Roger usually tells us. I know. It's true. I'll take it. It's true. Uh, let's start with a few tech things you should know. Amazon's Web Services launched its Deep Lens Deep Learning Camera for all developers. In the U.S. anyway, Deep Lens is a 4-megapixel or 1080-pixel video camera with 8 gigs of memory, a 2D microphone array, an Intel Atom processor, and has USB, microSD, and microHDMI ports. The camera runs on Ubuntu, aims to help developers build their own deep learning applications. With support with AWS Greengrass, which is the Gluon machine learning library, learned a lot today, and StageMaker, SageMaker rather, which helps developers deploy custom machine learning models. DeepLens is shipping today, again, within the U.S. for 249 I think this is a great, great, great thing. And for 250 that's a fairly powerful idea. Google announced updates to its advertising tools designed to help users know why they see certain ads. Now users will be able to go into their Google account, uh, account, click on the ad settings, and scroll through the list of factors that are considered as the algorithm figures out which ads to serve up. So if you want to know why you're getting ads for a, a, a blue sweater because you literally just brought, uh, bought a blue sweater, they will show you that you just bought a blue sweater. For me, it was a reminder that the algorithm ain't good. Like, I search a lot for the St. Louis Blues, it said I'm really interested in blues music in my ad settings. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
In February 2017, Verizon added an unlimited data plan for its U.S. mobile customers. Unlimited meant you could use as much data as you want, but Verizon could slow you down anytime it wanted. This was unlimited in their ability to slow you down. A plan called Beyond Unlimited lets you use as much of the service as you want as long as it's less than 22 gigabytes after which they can slow you down anytime they want. And now Verizon is pushing the boundary of words and meaning with a new plan called Above Unlimited that lets you use as much of the service as you want as long as it's less than 75 gigabytes, after which they can slow you down whenever they want. Nothing goes above unlimited. I'm too fast. Yeah. I I mean, 75 gigabytes is pretty good. As a limit, yes. For a, a third misnamed unlimited program no (laughs) yeah all right let's talk a little bit more about usb security uh uh, by the way current period 104 gigabytes for me uh apple confirmed that in ios 12 it will introduce usb restricted mode so that when a phone is locked for more than an hour the lightning port can only be used to charge the phone until the passcode is entered This would stop thieves or other malicious actors who get physical access to your phone from easily being able to steal your data. It will also likely force companies like Celebrite and Grayshift to come up with new ways to unlock iPhones for law enforcement. I mean, we talk about thieves and malicious actors, but law enforcement is also in that category. No, that's... Oh, this one gets me. I'm glad you brought this up, Sarah. Uh, This story is... This is... This is a story about how Apple versus the FBI has been escalated. Yeah. And every headline, every headline agrees with the way Sarah just said it, uh, which is this is about law enforcement. That is not what this is about at all. It impacts law enforcement. You're right in saying that. But this is about securing your phone. That's why Apple's doing it. Apple isn't doing it to upset law enforcement. Apple's doing it because if they don't do this, then bad actors are going to steal your phone. Maybe not your phone, but they're going to steal phones and they are going to get data off them. And Apple would be remiss if they allowed the vulnerability to continue to exist. For law enforcement, it makes their job more difficult. I'm not going to deny that. However, companies like Celebrite and Grayshift are very good at finding new ways around things, which is the constant state of security, which is somebody fixes a vulnerability, somebody finds a way around it. But this story should not, in my opinion, be reported the way it is being reported. It is irresponsible. This story should be Apple is securing your phone against thieves and bad actors, which has a negative impact on law enforcement, not lead with law enforcement. However, however, and you're right, Tom. However, the people who are crying foul the most are in law enforcement. I mean, are they? Or do we just not hear the thieves crying in public? (laughs) Well, okay, sure. But now the way these things are done by both law enforcement and bad actors are the same exact solution. So you can't say we are taking steps against bad actors without the law enforcement saying, "Okay, well, that's how we do it, too. So now the question is, do we deliberately things uh, make things less secure? And Apple has been entirely resistant in creating a backdoor for their services for law enforcement. Uh, That's what I think law enforcement would prefer to have happen. Apple has been resistant to it. So this is just them actively trying to make your phone more secure. I think Tom's right. And I loved his Keith Olbermann rant. (laughs) Yes, sir. Resign, sir. (laughs) All right. But but good points all around. Uh, Okay, moving on. (laughs) 
let's see how fired up you get about Snapchat <laughs> launching its new SnapKit, a set of APIs that lets other apps use Snap's login for sign up or to make their own Bitmoji avatars or display public stories and Snap Map content or make branded stickers with referral links. Now, launch partners include Tinder, where you can, you know, have like a cute Bitmoji, you know, so you can date more easily. Patreon, Postmates, also launch partners. A privacy measure, though, does actually put this apart from something like Facebook because you can't access the uh, apps, cannot access your information if you're inactive for 90 days. And Snapkit apps can't ask for things like your email address or your phone number, how old you are, where you live, or who you're friends with. And Snap is definitely leaning into that a little bit to say, like, you know, we're privacy first, but I don't know. I think it is entirely responsible for Snapchat to create an API that is locked down and protects your personal information. This is a pretty good thing here. Well, you know, it's funny because it's like, hey, you know, privacy first, you know, Facebook had that, you know, Analytica scandal, right? So we're not going to do that. But I also sort of read this and I think, okay, well, for third party apps, let's say I'm, I don't know, I'm on Postmates and there's some easy snap integration I can use. But if you can't access a lot of my data, it, it is a little bit limited. So, I mean, yeah. I, yes, but I would rather them start this way and say, what do we run up that doesn't work? Because for me to be able to take a snap in Snapchat and say, oh, put it on Tinder for my profile, that, that doesn't need any of my personal information. That All that needs is a relationship between Tinder and my Snapchat account. Tinder doesn't need to know anything about my Snapchat account other than the name and login. So it's going to work well for a lot of things. And then we'll see if they're like, well, it, it doesn't allow us to do this and we'd like to do that and how they handle that. I, I also wonder whether or not some of the, like, you know, Patreon is is one of the launch partners for this. Patreon has their own feature where you have Patreon lens where you take Snapchat esque stuff and you post it to your patrons. That is a benefit of them having the app, the Patreon app on their phone. I wonder if it's going to be cross posting because that is where I tend to find this to be the most interesting. Snapchat has had a tremendous amount of very, very viral content only become viral when it gets off their platform. And that was part of the reason why Instagram stories was able to get a hold, uh, a foothold is that it became very easy for Instagram stories to be the first place you shoot something. Then you cross post it into Snapchat. And the way the API works, you can't put the Snapchat camera in say the Patreon app, but you can take a snap in Snapchat and send it to another app, as long as that app's using the API. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sony finally responded to the anger over the fact that the PS4 does not allow cross-platform play in Fortnite with the Nintendo Switch or Xbox. Here's what they said. We're always open to hearing what the PlayStation community is interested in to enhance their gaming experience. Fortnite's already a huge hit with PS4 fans, offering a true free-to-play experience so gamers can jump in and play online. 79 million PS4s sold around the world and more than 80 million monthly active users on the PlayStation Network. We've built a huge community of gamers who can play together on Fortnite and all online titles. And hey, we also offer Fortnite cross-play support with PC, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, expanding the opportunity for Fortnite fans on PS4 to play with even more gamers on their platforms. So... If if I may summarize, uh, we'll listen to you. 
We have the best-selling console, so we don't need to do anything about it. We have a lot of people play Fortnite, and we are class cross-platform on PC, Mac, iOS, and Android. So get used to it. Well, doesn't this seem like kind of an antiquated... Like, like the, the, Doesn't this feel like the last of these kinds of decisions that'll be made to protect the walled garden? As, well, as long as consoles, it's, it kind of ties right into like, how much longer are we going to have consoles really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it, it seems like now there's just everything is by default. Everybody interacts with everybody. And it seems it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, such a vestigial uh, organ of the old console wars where it's like, nope, if you're on this, then you're not on the other thing. And, and honestly, the only reason you do this is because you you actively don't want people on xbox and switch uh to be able to use the ps4 because you want to encourage people to play use the ps4 to to play stuff and sell more ps4s because you're the leader you do the cross-platform if you're from behind because there you you have less to lose but also it's i, I don't even think that consumers even understand that these oh no days, they the don't so much now it's just oh i want to play with jimmy well, that's the thing. Like, I was making this point the other day. Maybe it was yesterday's show. It's like, when you think of it in terms of, like, where do I see Netflix, right? I love Netflix. What are the hardware options I have? If there are hardware options that shut me out of that, that's just, uh, I don't know, as a consumer, like, I'm not interested. So this is all, it, it's starting to feel a little long in the tooth. Like, you can only play this game on this certain console. Yeah, and, and the other thing, W. Scottis 1 reminds us, is an, a side effect of this policy is if you have a PlayStation 4 and a, a Nintendo Switch, when you play Fortnite on the Switch, you can't log in with your Fortnite account because it's tied to the PS4 and ah. it's not compatible. So it, it causes you to either not use the Switch for that or create a second account. Well, no wonder people are mad. Yeah. Or bring your PS4 on the train. Plug it in, <laughs> television, and play it the way God intended. Sources tell Reuters that Microsoft is working on its own tech to replace cashiers and checkout lines from stores, similar to Amazon's Amazon Go store, which opened in Seattle in January, and plans to open more stores in Chicago and San Francisco. Microsoft reportedly has shown sample technology to retailers and has had talks with Walmart on a potential collaboration. So this is really interesting to me because it's, you know, that I haven't been to the Amazon Go store in Seattle, but I've, you know, I've, you know, I, I've heard it is fairly seamless. But imagine Microsoft making a deal with Walmart. How many cashiers does Walmart currently employ? A lot. Yes. So if we were to wipe out those cashiers, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, be sensationalist about this, but if you were looking, you know, five years down the road, this is a great money saving deal for Walmart, potentially, whether they partner with Microsoft or Amazon or anybody else who's doing this. Well, and, and usually what happens in those cases is everybody freaks out and thinks they're going to fire all the clerks. They don't fire all the clerks. They're like, oh, no. there, there are other things that we didn't have enough people to do before and couldn't afford to hire. And now we can because we save money on the clerks. We'll take those clerks and we'll have them do other things. Maybe it ends up with a, a loss of jobs. It's possible. You're not wrong. But it's never as bad as it sounds. So, I, again, I, I, I do not like this knee-jerk reaction of, like, something's going to be automated. We're going to lose all the jobs because it's the same as saying, wait, you can download an MP3 for free? That's a lost sale. It's like, no, the two don't actually equate because that's not actually how it works in practice. So you need to take a more measured approach to, like, okay, 
how much are they going to change jobs and where are those jobs going to go? I, I also think that this is maybe getting three steps ahead of where we are in the board game. Uh, in oh, that totally. Yeah. It is Walmart's job to investigate better ways that people can spend money at Walmart's. And I will say I was personally there for the Walmart in Margate, Florida, where they put in a automated checkout. And it was so complicated for the average Walmart consumer that they took it right out in two months. So you never know. Well, because- yeah, I mean, this is this is a long, a long way from that because the Amazon Go store does work. Uh, if Microsoft can replicate that, I think the, the, the big story here is something we thought would never work because of what you're talking about actually worked with Amazon. They're going to expand it. And now they have competitors rather than being like that can never work. Now it's become a platform that people are imitating. But here's the interesting thing that Amazon has a, a, a tremendous advantage on. You'll have an Amazon account and your Amazon account has a good credit card tied to it. So all they need to do is tell you to download one little thing, not, all right, you want to walk in and buy a thing? First, download an app and then make an account and sure. then connect your credit card. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. Let's move on to Elon Musk, shall we? Yes. Elon Musk's boring company won a bid to buy a high-speed express train to Chicago's O'Hare International Airport from the city's downtown area, confirming a previous Bloomberg report, which Bloomberg, uh, which Boring Company rather confirmed on Twitter. Boring Company launched 18 months ago. It's fairly new. Thus far, hasn't actually had a deal like this. It's been digging a test tunnel in the Los Angeles suburb of Hawthorne. No government funding is involved in this deal, which means. Boring needs to finance the construction cost itself. Elon Musk 
Okay, probably has a lot of money, but still. The winning bid also means that Chicago will negotiate exclusively for Boring for one year over details of the project, figure out something, then will require approval from the city council. So no digging is happening at this moment, but it will potentially uh, be, a, I don't know, a great deal for what I believe is about a 40-minute subway ride yeah. from O'Hare to downtown. Turn that 40-minute ride into 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the way it's going to work, in case you're confused, like, wait, the Boring Company, is that Hyperloop? Or isn't that the thing where you, you take your car down an elevator? It's none of that anymore. It keeps changing. Right now, it would be sleds with, like, Tesla-type bodies that would hold up to about 18 people and luggage and leave like every few seconds. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't yeah. take your own car into it, but it also isn't a Hyperloop. No, you'd, you'd be able to get off and, and just get into downtown really fast. You'd have to imagine that that no government funding uh, tidbit of this story is probably the reason why they won the bid. Oh, yeah, because Musk gets to keep all the transportation fare revenue uh, and... Uh, advertising revenue and wants to sell people stuff in the pods. So sell them like headphones and snacks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right. Uh, big fight shaping up in the EU over copyright. We've touched on this briefly in the past, uh, but this is this is something uh, that, especially if you're in the EU, you want to pay attention to. Maybe write your member of European Parliament. Uh, and if you're not in the EU, keep in mind, GDPR was an EU law that impacted a lot of people outside the EU, and this could have knock-on effects as well. The EU Parliament's Legal Affairs Committee... Uh, is going to vote on Articles 11 and 13 of the Copyright Directive on June 20th. Article 11 is what's being called a link tax or a neighboring right or sometimes a snippet tax. It would require companies to pay publishers when they use short extracts of text or images when linking to the publisher's content. Now, This is something where the publishers have wanted Google to pay them for using this. They've tried it in Germany. A very similar law in Germany was put forth, and publishers ended up issuing Google a free license in order to ensure they got listed. Because Google said, well, we're not going to pay, so we'll take it off. This new Article 11 law would modify this to try to get around that, to stop the free license. Spain tried to stop the free license by saying, you just can't, you have to to pay no matter what, uh, causing Google to stop offering Google News in Spain, traffic to Spanish newspaper sites declined as a result by 6% or more. Again, the way they're talking about implementing Article 11, it probably wouldn't be as burdensome as the Spanish version was. So there's a lot of thought that, well, maybe Google could just pay it, but it will keep smaller companies from competing with Google because they won't want to pay it. That's Article 11, the, the snippet tax or the neighboring right. Article 13 is a mandatory upload filter. This one's a mess. I'll get into this a little more. But the idea is that it wants to stop, they want sites to stop copyright infringing material from being uploaded. Now, originally they were saying you'd have to have some kind of content recognition technology. But then everyone said, well, hold on. EU's e-commerce law specifically forbids EU countries from imposing a general obligation on providers to monitor information. So now the latest version says the implementation of measures by service providers should not consist in a general monitoring obligation. But what does that mean? If you're like, hey, 
Uh, you should filter out copyrighted material from being uploaded if there's no license for it. But also, you don't have to monitor the usage. Well, then, how does that work? Yeah, anyway. how, who monitors? <laughs> uh, so those are the two articles. Uh, the biggest problem with Article 11 to me, I'm going to switch back to that one. That's the link text. That's the neighboring right. That's the one where publishers say, hey, Google, you on your Google News product, you keep putting up an, an image from our site and the headline from our site and the first paragraph or the first sentence from our site. You should pay us for that. Uh, and there's uh, there's language in this law in this article that says you know th- these big companies they go and they scrape uh, they scrape all this data and put it in their own database and make money off it. That's not fair. They should pay us for that. And that sounds reasonable when you put it like that, unless you realize that every one of these publishers can stop Google from do that. There's something called a robots.txt file that they can put up on their site and say. No Google allowed. Google can't scrape our site, and Google will respect that and not scrape your site. So. The problem is the publishers want Google to scrape the site, but they also want Google to pay for the privilege of the scraping of their site that the publishers want. So we can call this what it is, protectionism. I guess it's a form of protection. It's it's not protectionism in one country trading with another. It's protecting my business model. It's actually not even protectionism, though, because it's creating a new revenue stream. No, no, no. But it's it's a deterrent. Like, like there was there was a reason to not do it, and if you want to get around the reason to not do it, you can pay for the privilege to do so. But that is protectionism. I mean, there's no there's no deterrence. They're saying they're not. What they're saying is we don't want to stop you from scraping our site. Please keep scraping our site and then pay us for it. No, no but but again, yes, yes, I'm agreeing with your motivation. But the dark side of that mood is uh, the, the dark side of that moon is if you don't pay us, you can't do it. Right. It's illegal for you to do it. So Google yeah. could say, well, we're just not going to run Google News in all of Europe. There's no indication that they're going to do that though, like they did in Spain, though. I would hope that they would shut it down. I mean, this is this is a law that I think is there. Like, th- this is there because they want to continue to prop up these entities. Or, or these entities have a strong lobbying effort within you know the European Union. And I would say that's a, it's bad for the internet. B, it doesn't really achieve what, again, like you pointed out, what they really want. If they really didn't want Google to scrape them, easy for that to happen. Yeah. There's already a, a mode. And then you could say, hey, we'll take down the line in robots.txt that says you can't scrape our site if you pay us something. Like, you can always already make them do this, but they know Google will say, well, no, uh, it's not in our interest to pay you for that. Uh, we send a lot of traffic to you, and and in in Spain, traffic declined by at least six percent when we disappeared. So you're going to benefit if we keep doing this for free. And the publishers know that they can't win that argument, so they want the law to force Google to pay them anyway. Yeah, because they don't want to. They want to add another revenue stream. Old media in general, and and we will define old media by uh, people that still have to pay a printing press to print out a thing and therefore have much higher overhead. Uh, they are watching those circs decline. They are facing a world where now in the next 10 years, they're going to have to make very serious decisions about what they're going to do with effectively how they've made their money, their entire existence. And they want new revenue streams in the in-between. They, they, they see a gigantic cash cow. Why should they be making all the money off us 
for free. It's not fair, Tom. There ought to be a law. Well, yeah. And and my response is, well, then stop them from using your stuff. You have that power. No, I need money. I <laughs> have a safe harbor of transition. Exactly, exactly. This stuff, and when I go totally online. Yeah, it's funny. I just saw e- Ebarch said, it seems like we need a technological solution to this, not a law. There already is. <laughs> it exists. Done. Yeah. It's there. Uh, and then, yeah, we didn't get into Article 13 as, as much as I would have liked to, but that one's just a nightmare. It's just going to end up in lawsuits because it's like, uh, you need to filter... Which means that there's going to be a chilling effect, just like there is on YouTube, which is like, well, we think it might be copyright infringing, so we're not going to allow it, meaning fair use, memes, uh, anything uh, that's on the edge would be gone from a lot of sites. Uh, and then you don't know if you're monitor, if you're not, you're not supposed to monitor, but is the, how do I not monitor but also filter? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Probably more to discuss <laughs> on a later show. But for now, we want to thank everybody in our sub or Reddit. You can submit stories and also vote on author stories to let us know what you care about. DailyTechNewsShow.Reddit.com. If you want to hang out on Facebook, great. Facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Tech News Show is where you can talk to us there. You should email us feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com and let us know what you think about all this stuff. What, For instance, who emailed us today? Michael from, uh, he calls it, I hope we don't hit 100 today in Texas. Sorry. It sounds like it's very hot in Texas. It's actually really nice where I live. Michael. Michael has a little bit of a conspiracy theory. So let's just let's just go with this for a second. He says, the timing of two announcements this week made me wonder if they are perhaps connected. Intel is talking about a new gaming GPU for 2020. Microsoft is talking about a new Xbox console in 2020. Maybe Intel and Microsoft are working together on this. Just a thought. I'll be honest. When I saw Michael's email, I was like, no, just because they're both announcing it for exactly the same year and Microsoft and Intel work, you know, you might be onto something. <laughs> I was like, that's how my thought process went. <laughs> yeah. Hey, two years away. Michael, yeah, if you're right, we'll buy you a beer. Yeah. I mean, I it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're working together. Exactly. But if, if you start to say, One well, could conclude. If, you, if they did. Uh, would it make sense? Yeah, it absolutely. I could t- absolutely see Intel going to Microsoft saying, hey, we'll partly design. I mean, they made a point of saying their new GPU would be designed for gaming. We'll design this to be worked, you know, workable for your Xbox uh, and for Windows gaming PCs. I mean, that that just all fits. It doesn't it does. It's not evidence that it is going to happen, but it certainly yeah. would, would make sense yeah. if it did. Speculative, but Michael, again, if you're right, um, we'll buy you a new air conditioner. <laughs> Thank you for the email. <laughs> thanks to everybody who emails us every day. And also thanks to Justin Robert Young for being here. What's been going on since we saw you on Monday? Justin. He's like, nothing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I've been having a really good time uh, here. I have no idea how long that's been uh, muted. Uh <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I'll tell you what. Here's what I've been doing. I've been writing my free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Uh, uh, go ahead on over there and sign up, please. It is five days a week, five links, uh, gifts, a few hot takes, uh, many of which recently have been from Arrested Development. Oh. Gifts, not the hot takes. 
But the gifts are good too, I'm sure. It's pretty good. Uh-huh. Good. Good stuff. Excellent. Uh, also, I, I want to thank every one of our patrons out there for supporting the show at patreon.com slash DTNS. Our goal every month is to actually get just at least one, if not more, patron than last month. Uh, and we're about halfway through the month and we're on pace for that. But we need your support. If you're not already supporting us, it's only a buck a month at the base. And if you want to give us more, we've got some perks to thank you for that as well. But we work on the value for value model. If you get value out of the show, give some value back at patreon.com slash DTNS. I also want to mention, I should have mentioned this in the main discussion. uh, If you want to brush up on the EU uh, situation, especially if you're in the EU and you're thinking about writing your member of European Parliament, publishersright.eu is the publisher's side of the story. And then saveyourinternet.eu is one of the places that has the opposition side of the story. Uh, and there's a few others like that as well. Uh, but those are some starting places to, to get each side's perspective on the story. So go and check it out and make up, make up your own mind. If you want to have your voice heard, one very easy way to do that is to write us at feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday. If you can join us, great! 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC, and find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Patrick Norton and Len Peralta will be illustrating. Talk to you then. is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.